things are heating up in South Carolina, and it is not just on the old thermostat. The Democratic primary is coming, as well as all the other primaries on June 14th. And the candidates for the Democratic nomination for the governorship of South Carolina are, well, in a bit of a tip. But on a more serious note, the nation is reeling after three mass shootings just in the last couple of weeks. We're going to break down what the president laid out last night in his agenda to curtail the Second Amendment. And it involves giving him more power and giving him your vote. Welcome in to the Palmetto Family Matters podcast, the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. Justin Hall, Dave Wilson here on our Friday edition of the podcast. And and Dave, like I mentioned, three very violent mass shootings just in the last couple of weeks. Also, we had one in Charleston. Uh, There have been a few others across the country. And we'll get into what the definition of a mass shooting is and why it's important a little bit later. But first, Buffalo, Uvalde, and Tulsa have really taken the the center stage of the news over the past several weeks. And so we want to issue our condolences to the families who have lost loved ones, uh, whether in Buffalo in that shopping center, whether in Uvalde in that elementary school, and in Tulsa in that doctor's office. Again, I I think I speak for both of us when, when our prayers are with you, with the communities as we try to grapple with the evil that persists in our society. I was in a conversation with somebody the other day, Justin, and the whole topic came up of, you know, what can we do about this? And that's one of those things that at Palmetto Family we really focus on are the things of what can we do in the situations when we encounter them? How do we start bringing people together? And that's something that we're going to be doing as we go into 2023, as we begin to start planning now for what we're going to be doing next year. Because it's really important, I think, Justin, for the family of believers, Christ followers, to really come together and have this discussion about what does it mean to bring a biblical worldview to this? Mm -hmm. Because the issue isn't guns. The issue isn't violence. The issue isn't issues at home. At its core, the issue is evil. And evil will show itself in a thousand different ways. Mm -hmm. But as we begin to look at this issue and we begin to dive deeper into it, there are a lot of places where the emotion of a moment is this is the stimulus for a cause to to an action that may or may not need to be taken. Correct. And I think that that's one of those things that when we took a look at what President Biden said in his address, mm-hmm. his approach, I think is very typical of what you find in a democratic response to a situation. Right. And we'll go through the the speech. Now, again, we're not going to go through this speech as tongue-in-cheek as we normally would, right? Because there, there is a bit of um, gravity to the situation. And so in no way do we want to make light of what families are dealing with. However, it is important that we begin to understand what the president and what his party want to do. And I think it's very specific. They're not, I've, I've said this for a couple of weeks now, Dave, they're not hiding the ball anymore on abortion. They're just not. No, they un- they're not hiding the ball. They're making it very clear what they want to and do. And we're going to talk about that when we get into the race for governor in South Carolina. We're going to talk about that particular issue because it is abundantly front and center where they are. Yes. And, and their approaches. Exactly. So they're not hiding the ball there, and they're really no longer hiding the ball on this issue when it comes to guns in the United States. Now, really off the top, a lot of people own guns in this country. It is something that is protected in our Constitution. If you don't have a pocket Constitution, I would encourage you to get one. It's helpful in times like these when one of the amendments or one of the rights listed in the amendments is invoked and talked about 
from the executive branch. And in this case, it is the Second Amendment, which clearly states the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, we're going to show you this. We're going to go to the president last night from the White House. Here's what the president had to say about the Second Amendment. I want to be very clear. This is not about taking away anyone's guns. It's about vil not about vilifying gun, on gun owners. In fact, we believe we should be treating responsible gun owners as an example of how every gun owner should behave. I respect the culture and the tradition and the concerns of lawful gun owners. At the same time, the Second Amendment, like all other rights, is not absolute. It was, just, it was Justice Scalia who wrote, and I quote, like most rights, the right Second Amendment, by the, the rights granted by the Second Amendment are not unlimited, not unlimited, and never has been. There have always been limitations on what weapons you can own in America. For example, machine guns have been federally regulated for nearly 90 years, and this is still a free country. That is the president talking about the Second Amendment. Now, again, he, he uses a lot of different language when he talks about the Second Amendment. Because this address was scripted, Dave, he didn't bring up his typical talking points, which are, number one, why do you need an AR-15? The deer, for God's sake, the deer aren't wearing Kevlar vests. He used that one a lot. He a also lot. A lot. He also talks about the fact that during the Revolutionary War, or when this amendment was drafted, as he's now turned to say, when this amendment was ratified, it didn't mean that you could own a cannon. Yes, it did. Could. And so he's this idea that the Second Amendment is not absolute, sure, in that an amendment can be passed to undo the amendment. Sure. But the Second Amendment, you have the amendment right there, Dave. Second Amendment, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, I don't believe there's anything outside of that. Of course, I am a... I am a realist. I am a. I am a. I am a literalist when it comes to the Constitution, as I am with Scripture. I don't. And they're not the same. I don't believe anywhere in there it says. But if one thing happens in a couple hundred years, we can change this thing. There, there's nothing. There's no but statement in there. Okay. Let's just for for we'll put it on the screen for you so you can read it. Yep. Here it is: a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, again, this has zero to do. There were bad people with guns then. We fought them. Um, there have been bad people with guns since then. There will continue to be bad people with guns no matter what happens. There are a couple of things that I want to go through. This is what the president listed. Um, first of all, the Second Amendment not being absolute is a total farce. The Second Amendment protects people to own and keep weapons firearms we can't get around that <laughs> it, it, it actually it actually goes beyond that because they don't actually define arms no they don't that the same right for you to have a machete the same right for you to be able to carry a pocket knife the same right for you to be able to carry some sort of defensive weapon correct is incorporated into the third i mean into the second amendment now Let's just let's let's venture two hundred years down the road real quick. Okay, I Jesus shudder. hasn't come I back. Shudder. But there'll be the people who will turn around and say, "My laser gun is 
they don't talk about lasers in the in the Constitution. They don't they don't specifically mention lasers. So, you know, it, it becomes this interesting question of things will evolve over time. But the reality is, the core of what it says here is very clear: the right of us as Americans to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It doesn't give any other definition beyond that. And it's very specific in its broadness. Yes. So that it can be applied across the board in multiple situations. Right. And this is not the the Second Amendment, as I'm I'm looking over here on the screen, and, and we'll put it back up for you, for the security being necessary to the security of a free state, the Second Amendment was not written down just to protect you from bad people. They're there to protect you from a bad government and from a very power-hungry government. Because the simple fact is, and we can see this in any in any history lesson, any government that then that makes the turn from freedom to something other than freedom starts with the removal of weaponry. Because if you can't and, and, and again the president himself has already said that your AR fifteen ain't gonna match my ain't gonna match my bombers. They're going to match my nukes. I got nukes, man. But wait, 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 wait. Let, F-16s. I, let's, let's, let's just be honest. Let's, let's rewind for the last 90-something days. And the, the flagship of the Russian Navy, taken down by the ragtag group of military in the Ukraine. Yeah, like grandmas in Ukraine are taken <clears> care of. But also the Russians have our weapons now, too. It's amazing how uh, it's happened twice go. now. Okay. So, again... Not to get off topic. No, not to get off topic, but there's a lot there that we could probably discuss, too. There's a lot going into this. The president later... It, it was about a 17-minute speech, which, hey, it was 17 minutes, and I'm looking for a timestamp here. It's pretty late in the day. I, I'm trying... It was at night. I'll tell you, that was about 9 o'clock. I was watching a Braves game. Um... It was late at night, and, and, he, and he seemed very lucid, which is good. Uh, he said that in the last 20 years, more school-age children have died from guns than on-duty cops and soldiers combined. I haven't had time to look up that number. I would encourage you to do so. If that's correct, that's terrible. I, I think that, well, I do think that the Facebook fact-checkers may actually have to block this speech on Facebook because if, if that statement is true... That's a whole lot of that's a of whole lot of school age children. A whole children. lot of school age children, um, especially yeah. when you take a look at Afghanistan or Iraq or you know. Well, this include this wouldn't include Desert Storm. No, this is just the war on terror. Right. So in the last twenty years, mm-hmm. we've had we've had thousands of military members and on duty cops and on duty cops that have died in the line of service. Yes. You can go to the the Freedom Memorial at the State House on the State House grounds and see names of service members who have died in the line of duty. You know, I'd be very interested to see because this is a scripted speech. Yes, it is. And and the president delivered it in his typical scripted speech way, uh, for the most part. For the most part. He didn't really go off script, I don't think. So the thing with that is, that is... A, a very interesting lie that the Ministry of Disinformation doesn't exist anymore. Sorry, Nina. Oh, sorry, what, Nina. What? What? The the question is, would they have? Would they have caught that? No, they wouldn't have. Okay, they wouldn't have because they were told not to. But um, it was also a speech, correct? From the president. So, 
Uh, later on in the speech, I'm just running through this. He yep. advocates for safe storage laws, red flag laws, and a ban on high-caliber assault weapons. Now, I'm glad we're going to try to ban high-caliber assault weapons because in my brief time on this planet, 27 years, when you make something illegal, it doesn't happen. Right? We've made illegal immigration illegal. It doesn't happen. Um, you can't buy, sell, or use crack or cocaine or meth or heroin or fentanyl. Do you know how hard doesn't it is happen to keep there. a straight face? You can't. We don't allow prostitution. That doesn't happen anymore. Uh, we don't want you to steal. That doesn't happen anymore. You can't murder. That doesn't happen anymore. When we make things illegal, they stop happening. So I'm glad right. he made that happen. Uh, he wants to raise the age to purchase an AR to 21. Uh, he cites that there are several states that it's legal to buy an assault weapon at 18, uh, but you got to wait to buy a handgun until you're 21. Um, again, I think that's an interesting conversation to have. But if we raise the age to one for one or the other, then everything across the board needs to be met. Right now, in the country, you can be 17 and get a driver's license. You have to be 18 to vote, 18 to buy tobacco, uh, 21 to buy a handgun or um, alcohol. You can be 18 to serve in the military. So, again, we're talking about this age. Uh, what did you call it earlier today? No, well, we're, we're in an age of adolescence because and psychologically there have been studies that have been done that said that time period of adolescent thought and behavior has stretched itself out. And you see it in a very simple number that our government adopted several years ago, the age at which you can no longer be on your parents' Call health, or insurance. health insurance. Yeah. And that is the age of 26. There's a book out there called Do Hard Things. And it was a great book. I read it with some of my kids. But it starts off with the story of a 17-year-old who was responsible for surveying by himself the entire state of Virginia. Oh, I know who this was. And when George Washington did that at the age of 17, he had not served in the military in, in any capacity, really. He was a guy who was hired to do a job. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know many 17-year-olds I would put in charge today. I don't know many 25-year-olds that I would put in charge today of surveying, South of surveying the state of South Carolina. Yeah. It is a, an, a time period in American history and in our culture because I think it's, it is somewhat distinctively American this mentality that we really don't have to take responsibility for things until we get later on in life. And that adult adolescence mentality is an adolescent mentality that gets carried over into the early to mid to late 20s. And again, I, I'm not throwing this out. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. I'm interested to have the discussion on how do we make these ages consistent across the board? I'm all I've you know, I find it interesting that you can be 18 and vote, but you have to wait until you're 21 to buy a beer. I find that very interesting and a very well, interesting be, way of thinking. But and, and, and the president addressed this. You can be 18 years old and go into the military mm -hmm. and be trained on the use of these yep. firearms. But when you get out, you can't own one. Yep. And that in and of itself is this place of you've got to start asking the questions. What are the real changes that need to take place? How do we do that? And instead of playing this poppycock popcorn things popping around here, there, and yonder of, here, we'll do this, do this, do this, we really need to systematically come together and go, what do these things need? What things need to be done? How do we address those? Because right now it's just political popcorn. Well, and as we continue with the political popcorn, or Orville Redenbacher remembers, um, 
repeal the liability shield. There's this notion, there's this lie that the gun lobby, which, by the way, the NRA spent less money in lobbying dollars in 2020 than Big Pharma or any other major lobby group. Anyway, beside the point. There's this idea that there's some sort of shield that gun companies, gun manufacturers, cannot be sued if someone dies. That's not true. That's not true. In fact, big pharma corporations have much more leverage and much more protection when it comes to lawsuits than, again, I'm using this freight, the gun lobby, for what it's worth. He also advocates for resources to keep kids safe and preserve mental health. All for that. I believe, I believe mental health is a big deal. We look back at 2020 when you keep kids out of school, out of socialization, leave teenagers to their own vices, let them drift deeper and deeper into internet, TikTok, and social media, and all the like. The, the ideas that they, that they create and that they ingest can lead to very tragic ends, and we've seen that over the last two years. Well, we actually saw that. If you go back and you look historically, if I'm not mistaken, the, the shooter in Uvalde really took a major turn psychologically. It started during when he was that, about 14. Yeah, yeah. But, but it exacerbated and it accelerated yeah. during that time. Certainly. You know, when, you're, when you do not spend time in community, you end up in this place where you're, you're stuck inside your own echo chamber. I was, it was very interesting. I'm going to quick tangent on this, but I was, I was talking with our friend Bob McAllister from McAllister Communications, who was Governor Campbell's chief of staff. Um, he and I were talking the other day, and he was talking to a reporter from a major news publication um, and she was coming down to do a story on Senator Tim Scott. She lives in Pennsylvania, but she never flies where she goes. Never. She will always drive, no matter how far the drive is. She said, I learn more at gas stations and grocery stores than I will ever learn in an airport terminal or stuck in my hotel room with the press pool. Because when you're out there, and, and the same was true with Lee Atwater, the, the political strategist from the 80s and 90s. Lee said, I get more from the grocery store line than I will ever get from polling. Because you hear what people actually think. And I think that so often we get to this place where we can live in our own echo chamber and we're never hearing from other people. And I think that is where a lot of the the mental stresses that are going on right now that we're talking about with this really find their center because you're not out there. You're not hearing from other people. You're not experiencing that accordion effect of we're together and then we're apart and we experience things out here and we bring them back together and we share our ideas with each other and then we come back out and we, we have this breathing capability and reality is the lockdowns, and I'm very grateful for states that did not hammer onto lockdowns, but instead said it is for the best health of our communities that we are getting together, that they focused on the fact that that type of community is what gives you the ability to breathe mentally. Mm -hmm. And that has to be something that takes place. And the, again, quick tangent, but that was an important thing that I think we can all agree upon that there are issues that exist there. Yeah. And we're going to have to begin to address them because they're not only going to show up in a gun debate. They're going to show up in suicide rates. They're going to show up in opioid deaths. They're going to yeah. be showing up in grades in schools. No question. We had a school district in, this, in, in the Midlands of South Carolina that was floating grades up 
to compensate for the fact that kids had not been in the classrooms. For, yeah, for the COVID slide, as they had, right. as they have begun to call it. The president wants to protect children and, and, and keep them safe. If you're a pro-life, that kind of just sits there, doesn't it? I mean, I'm sorry. You put this on a T for me. Let me let me hit a homer here. If the baby's in the womb, it doesn't matter. But okay, cool. Um, how about we arm our teachers? Uh, that's been an idea that's been floated around. I mean, if we're talking solutions, and I think solutions, let's debate solutions. Let's figure out what works. If a teacher has a CWP and they are licensed and they have gone through the training. What's the problem with them being armed at school? Teachers are in charge of protecting their students. And this idea that's been floated around that that police officers, because of the response of the police officers in Uvalde, that police officers are not required to protect the citizenry is a joke. They're supposed to protect and serve, and they take that oath. But if something were to happen and the police are incapacitated or something happens, I don't see the problem with a teacher who is well-trained, understands how to use firearms, protective of them, having a concealed weapon somewhere on their person or in a hard-to-access spot in their classroom uh, from students. And I know the argument would be, well, students can get a hold of it and, you know, children children die by friendly fire quite often in our country. But again, if we're talking about solutions, I think this is a solution worth having. Or putting armed personnel in schools across the country. How about instead of sending billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars to other countries, why don't we use that money here? Even though I'm not an advocate of spending billions and billions of dollars, there have to be, we have to eventually come to a point where we go, okay, maybe during this high inflationary period, gas is now $4.39 a gallon where I'm at. four thirty nine. So it's going to cost me about four twelve. Yeah, good. Congratulations. <laughs> so it's going to cost me about seventy bucks to fill up my sedan, right? Um, we can in an inflationary period, families are now having to decide. Okay, what's more important? Where should I really be spending my money? Right. Should I be spending my money on this meal out, or should I wait? Let's just make some food at home, and we can save that money for a later date, or we can spend it on something different. You know, buying groceries. In the same way, I think our country has to, our leadership, both parties, has to come to a point where we say, okay, enough is enough. If we, if, if the problem is as serious as we say it is, and I, we believe it is, maybe we should allocate better to fix the problems here and try to fix problems elsewhere. And I understand when I say that, people are going to go, well, that's really callous. I just think it's the conversation that needs to be had. And I think more people than not are thinking the same thing. Well, and that's the place where, and we talked about this before, you've got to bring a wide array of people and ideas to a table and have a real discussion, not a political argument back and forth, not posturing back and forth, which is what you find way too often, but people who can really sit down and go, okay, what, where do we find our common ground? Where are the real issues? Because the problem isn't the problem. It's indicative of the problem. And we've got to start dealing with the core problem issues. And so I think when, when we start looking at that, and, and we have, we've started working on that here at Palmetto Family, in those types of, of areas, how do you address issues of adoption? How do you address the issues of foster care? What needs to be done in the opioid crisis? These are the types of things that as you work with us, invest in the work that we do, these are the things that we're trying to do because somebody's got to start working on bringing solutions to the table. 
And that is a priority of ours here at Palmetto Family. And you're part of that. Your investment in that work makes a huge difference for us. We played a little bit of President Biden earlier. I'll forego the next clip we have and just kind of for the sake of time and just kind of succinctly define what he says. He then turns and, and, and pleads with senators. They need 10 Republican senators, right, to bring, a, to bring something to the floor because of the narrow majority they have because they don't put forward any legislation that's bipartisan. Anyway, not the point. Um, so he calls on Republicans. He says that any Republicans who aren't for it, for the measures that are being passed out of the House pretty easily, they're moving through the House pretty quickly, but the Senate, being the deliberative body, has a bit more of a responsibility to take their time. He says that any Republicans who oppose this legislation are, it's unconscionable. It's unconscionable what they're doing. Come on. He, he did, he did, he mean, did that quite a few times. Yeah. Enough. 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 Uh, a key to a president, the same as like President Trump had specific things, uh, you know, his turn and look away from the microphone when he thinks he says something smart, you know, and 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 lets people cheer. This president does the enough, enough, the, the or, whisper, or the, lean in the, whisper. The, the lean in and whisper, which is yes. really weird and like Joker-like. <laughs> um, he says the Republicans are unconscionable. There's enough for God's sakes in God's name. We got to stop it. Um, he also mentions that 20 more mass shootings have happened just in the last three weeks. 20. 20 mass shootings. Now, well, again, go ahead. David. But here's the question I, I have on that because if there have been 20 mass shootings in the last how long? I think you said about three weeks. In the last three weeks, that, that would be, we talked about the one in Uvalde. We, we talked about the one in Tulsa, Tulsa Buffalo. And Buffalo. So that's, that's three. You had one in Charleston. There was the one at there was the one in Charleston, but there were no deaths on that one. Correct, but it's any it's. Uh, but, so ma- but how do but how do we define? We a mass define shooting? mass shooting as any any shooting or gun violence that ends with at least four people injured or killed. Okay. Injured or killed. So four people injured or killed. So it, it happened in Charleston. There yes. was an, an out of control and, and unex- unexpected would not be the right word, but unauthorized block party. Yeah. Uh, in a certain area in Charleston that ended up going awry. There was a shooting that took place there. Mm-hmm. Ten people mm-hmm. were shot mm-hmm. the, at, the, at the mall mm-hmm. here in Columbia. Yep. Columbiana Center, there was a shooting that you took would, place there. You would consider that a mass shooting? Right. And so, you know, this is where, as you are listening, we want to make sure that you are informed on what actually certain things mean so that when you hear it, you actually know where the facts are with that, and whether or not those are what you consider to be whatever label that it is that they choose to put on there. Yeah. And, and again, this is, I don't, I wouldn't argue this is a gun problem. I believe evil manifests itself in any way evil can manifest itself. That's why, sure, in England and across Europe, you don't have gun violence, but do we remember the axing of people on the street? We didn't have gun violence in the 1800s as much as we have now, but we certainly had lynchings. Those were a thing. Yeah. Those were a thing. They're not a thing now, even though a senator, Senate candidate from Kentucky wants it to be. If you haven't seen that campaign ad, I'd encourage you to watch it. The man literally puts a noose around his own neck. It's weird. Um, so gun violence is a problem, but it's but it's a wide-ranging problem. Um, in fact, y'all, just just full disclosure, I got a, I got a Twitter DM from a Democrat candidate for governor of really? our state. Now, it was from his... It was from his campaign. It wasn't him. But he mentioned that the current governor wants to loosen gun restrictions, and it's chaos, and it's disaster. 
I just want to bring up the fact that in 2021 in Chicago, in Chicago, the city, not Illinois, just Chicago, in 2021, 760 people were shot. 760 in Chicago in 2021. If we break that down, 619 of those were black. 619. It's very interesting because South Carolina Public Radio put out a story um, on May 11th of this year. Scott Morgan was the was the correspondent who wrote this for South Carolina Public Radio, and it was talking about the very same thing. South Carolina's gun death numbers are among the country's worst, especially if you're black. And so there is a question that has got to be asked as to what is going on in certain communities that are exacerbating yeah. the problem. Because it's interesting, there was, was it 50 years ago, 43% of Americans uh, owned firearms. Today, that number is 42% of Americans own firearms and keep yeah, them in their homes. Dropped. That number's, you know, you drop 1%, one percent yeah. here or there. But the same number, uh, same percentage of people, and yet we're seeing a rise in certain areas that are higher than others. The question is why? So what needs to be done about that? Uh, an interesting point, if you've ever listened to Richland County Sheriff Leon Lott talk about this issue specifically in South Carolina, specifically in Columbia and in Richland County, there's been a major mm -hmm. problem in gun violence. And he says the two main factors are, number one, people don't put their guns away. People just leave them in their car unlocked. You know, you leave it in your glove compartment or your console or under your seat. You don't lock your car. People come by, they steal the gun. They want the gun, they'll steal the gun. On the other hand, he said another main issue is young people just don't have a, don't have an understanding. There, there are consequences to your action, and they don't know how to solve problems. They don't know how to handle Again. confrontation. They don't know how to handle disagreement, and they believe because of because of the 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 popular culture. And, and music, I don't want to be this person, but music and video games and all the like, you shoot people, who cares? And there's there's consequences to actions, and it's something that they don't understand. And and he, as a sheriff, is pleading with people. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're taking extreme measures in South in, in Richland County and Columbia so far as that they're going to be meeting with gang leaders to figure out what the problem is. I mean, when you're, when you're that's serious. So that's... That is a wide-ranging overview of what the president said and the issues right. facing our country when it comes to gun violence. Um, again, the numbers are staggering. 45,000 people were shot, killed in 2020. in 2020. That's the most recent number from the But the ironic Senate. part of that is, and we've talked about this before, those who have died of opioid-related deaths were 100,000. We had an entire press event that came out when the, the April 2019 to April 2020 numbers came out. For the first time, we crossed 100,000 people dying of an opioid-related death. That in and of itself, Justin, is more than twice the number of people who were killed with yeah. the use of, of some sort of firearm. And so I don't see the president taking that seriously. And yet headlines from Columbia, South Carolina this week. Two men found in Richland County, less than two miles apart from each other, just dead. Died of opioid overdose. This is not unusual. It's like we've talked about before. The sheriff in Florence County turns around and says, you know, we're picking up two to three bodies a week. They picked up one that had 
two and a half liters of fentanyl beside it, which is enough to kill everybody in Florence County twice. These things are going on. Our state law enforcement division is working on how do we begin to address this. But when we start talking about things like illegal immigration and hundreds of thousands of people crossing the border, do we have a porous southern border? Do we have a porous northern border? How are the drugs getting into our communities? What's being done with that? Because all of these things begin to stir and begin to point towards the very simple fact there is evil in this world. And you cannot legislate away evil. You can try everything you can to contain it. But the reality is every effort to try to do something about this is sometimes it just doesn't always ring true or it rings as a, a desperate cry of we've got to do something. And Let's do anything. And anything is, is the typical response where we've got to be thinking about what are we actually trying to do? How do we really impact people? And we've talked about this before. It's a place where the gospel really does change everything. That's not just a slogan and an idea. It actually is a reality. And that is a place where you, as a, as a person who has faith in Jesus Christ, if you have that, you share that with other people, and the power of Jesus changes lives. And that's the place where you start making a difference. It is, as, as Mitch uses the idea, the analogy before, it's like the boy with the starfish on the, on the beach, and he picks up one, and he throws it in, and, and the old man's walking by, and he says, well, you can't get rid of all of them. He said, no, but I got, I put that one, I saved that one's life. I saved that one. And so it's one-on-one, -on -one, and that's really what you do. That's where you come into play your part in looking at the people who are around you. How do you impact their lives? How do you share with them? Because that's the place where you really do make a difference. Right. Now we transition to South Carolina news for the last couple minutes of the podcast. Um, oh, this gets just, just gets juicy. The Democratic Party scared to death of me and McLeod, y'all. I'm serious, man. They see it. She is a major threat to win the nomination. Um so, sorry, I'm serious, I'm serious. And on the Democratic side and running for governor, there are two major candidates. That's Joe Cunningham, former congressman from the 1st Congressional District. He was defeated by Nancy Mace in 2020. And Mia McLeod, who is a senator from Richland County, state senator from Richland County. Now, Joe Cunningham is backed out of a couple debates, y'all. And you know why? Because he's scared. He's scared. He knows it. He knows it. That one-term congressman scared to death. Here's here's why. Here's why. Because Mia has voted to stop saving women's sports. She voted for medical marijuana. She wants hate crimes legislation to be passed, which would inject uh, gender ideology and, and, and sexual orientation and, and the like into South Carolina code when it comes to prosecutorial law. Right? She stands for what the Democratic Party wants. The Democratic Party knows that, and so they're backing out of debates. Yeah. Uh, it was a Twitter spat. I, I, they have, this isn't a they've gossip. had several Twitter spats. This isn't a gossip column. Listen, and she will take it to government master on Twitter. All right. All right. Can't handle the pandemic. Joe Cunningham tweets on June 2nd because Senator McLeod put out a, a video that accused former Representative Cunningham of backing out of a debate. They haven't debated yet. There's been no Democratic There have been no Democratic been no Republican debate either, for that matter. I mean, the Republicans don't. Anyway, there's been no Democratic debate, which is, which is strange. 
I mean, yeah. the June primary is June 14th. People are already well, voting. Early, early voting, voting is early happening. Early voting has already started. We're already on today. We're on the fourth day yeah, of early voting. you only have seven more days. You'll, you only have until next Friday at 5 to early vote. Joe Cunningham tweets on June 2nd at 1049, I've debated every opponent I've ever had. and That's not going to change this year. Since all five candidates for governor will be in Columbia for convention weekend, how about a televised debate Friday night before the Blue Palmetto Dinner? I'll be the first to commit who's in. But wait, the state senator responded. Now, when you read the first, well, well, let's let's part. let's back up because the whole argument began because she was really ticked off yeah. and is trying to create some level of stir to get a name ID, which is nil. Her sure. name ID is next to zero sure. across the state, mostly but mostly in the Midlands areas where she, she's known. Is she not on? She's a Richland County Senator. Okay. Um, she tweeted. <laughs> yes. I, I got to be careful. Or I'm going to get tweeted at. Uh, wow, Joe. This is a quote. Uh, here's, here's a, here it is on the screen. So you lied to black pastors in Greenville after you committed weeks ago to their June 10th debate. One of many you've canceled with black voters. Read between the lines there, y'all. Just read between the lines of what's being said here. He lied to black pastors and he dipped out on a debate with black voters. Said your schedule was full, but the reality is you're full of it. Uh, and since you finally stopped running, I'm there. Bring it. So apparently we're going to have a debate tomorrow. Or tonight. This is tonight. Wait. Guys, buckle up. we got a debate tonight. Pop some popcorn. June 3rd, June 3rd 2022, our Democratic candidates for governor are going to debate what they would do if they become governor. Um, but I, wait, I, I can only imagine what's going to happen on Lincoln Street at the governor's mansion tonight. Do, do, you, do you think that the governor and Mrs. McMaster will sit around and, and watch this one? I'm sure, I'm sure Governor and Miss Peggy will be glad to watch the debate. Uh, I don't know. He might have something more important going on, like running the state as governor. You never know. Uh, which, I'm, which I'm sure he plans on doing for many more years. Yes. Now, there are major endorsements coming out for Mia. I mean, several office holders. I'm, I'm just looking through that. I'm, I'm on her Twitter page right now. You can follow her. I would encourage you to do so, at Mia for SC. Um, she's a proud mom, Democrat, fearless warrior, senator of District 22, candidate for governor. Um, Representative Marvin Pendaris has endorsed her. Representative from... The Aiken area, I believe? I believe so, yes. And let's see here. Um, Senator Marlon Kempson from Charleston has has endorsed her. Senator Margie Bright-Matthews has endorsed her. Representative J.A. Moore has endorsed her. A flurry of endorsements over the past couple weeks. Of course, we do have the obligatory Pride Post that is so consequential here in this Pride Month in the state of South Carolina. But 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 wait, because Joe Cunningham's also had endorsements like Mayor Joe Riley. He got the endorsement of the city paper there in in Charleston. Um, I, I really don't see a That's whole it. lot of endorsements outside of He doesn't need endorsements. He doesn't need endorsements right? because even the chairman of the Democratic Party here in South Carolina knows he's in trouble. And that's why they're not debating me and McLeod. So... I, I guess this is a, a case of, um, I, I, I don't even know how to put a put a wrapper on this one. It's kind of like if, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there, does it make a sound? <laughs> I'm interested to see. Now, here's the thing. I'm I and I say this tongue in cheek, but I'm I'm being serious. What's the aim here? I mean, has the has that party already determined who their nominee is, and they're just kind of running out the clock through June 14th to? to get to the general, and then they can really put all their eggs in the Joe Cunningham basket. That appears to be where it's going. I, I don't think 
I don't I don't think he's scared to debate. I genuinely think he thinks he doesn't need to. I genuinely think he just doesn't think he needs to. Um, if that he, does give, it does give airplay and, and airtime to other people who don't have that going on right now. Sure, they need that. They need the debate. Yes. Uh, Senator McLeod needs the debate. She, pure brass tack politics, she needs the debate to get name ID out there so people can watch SCE TV. They'll bump Sven for a little bit and put the Democrat debate. You mean Reading Rainbow's not going to be on Reading tonight? Reading Rainbow from 1992 will not be on tonight. It appears to be the Democrat debate for the governorship of South Carolina. That's happening here. Listen, the primary is voting is open now. So if, if you want an early vote, you can do so thanks to the bipartisan election integrity legislation that was signed into law by the governor. Contrary to what the message I received today, this is not suppressive voter legislation. No, Sorry, it was actually Joe. supported by your own party. Your own party. Your own party wants it. So if you if you want to vote early, vote early. Just don't, don't vote often. Just yeah, just don't vote often. Just vote early. Get what you need to get done, done. Vote and don't have to worry about it on June 14th. I'm a purist. I'll probably vote on June 14th because I just like the old ways. I'm a traditionalist. So vote, 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 vote. Get your family to vote. Make sure everyone If you lean votes. into your mic and you say it oh, really quietly. Vote, 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 vote. vote. Because enough is enough. Um, again, we're going to be tracking all of this stuff as the as the gun conversation continues. It, it's it's, it's going to take center stage more and more. That is until the next threat to democracy comes up. Um, of course, we're still awaiting the Supreme Court decision in the Dobbs case, which will be coming very soon. We're going to analyze the primary results in the state of South Carolina. That primary is on June 14th. We'll start analyzing those and see what comes out in the wash. Who is the who is the nominee on both parties? I, I can assure you I know which one of them will be. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure who the other one will be. Nod, nod, wink, wink. Um, but we can pretty much guess it's probably going to be a guy from Charleston. So much going on. I want to thank you for taking the time joining us here on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast, the fastest-growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. If you want more information on what we're doing and how you can get involved, download the Palmetto Family Council app. That is the best way to stay connected with us and make sure you know everything that's going on in the state of South Carolina. And also, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can watch us right here on Facebook every week as well. For Dave Wilson and our entire team at Palmetto Family, have a fantastic weekend, and we will talk to you next week.